You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 163 with Tim Robertson and David Cohen's back. And it is tech fan number 163. I'm Tim Robertson. And hey, look, David Cohen. Hello. Hello, David. How are you? Back again. I'm okay. Yeah. It was a last minute thing. And uh, I, my weekend was pretty busy last week. So, of course, I did the solo show last week. And uh, we did get some feedback. And uh, I got a lot of links from that show. I was kind of surprised, David. I thought if I talk about video games, I'm just going to tick people off. People probably don't want to hear about video games. It's a, the, the name oh. of the t- show is Tech Fan. But uh, no, the opposite was kind of true. People seem to like it. I think video games, yeah, they're. I mean, a game, a computer, a device, a gadget. A lot of these things. I mean, most of tech nowadays is kind of slanted towards entertainment of some description. Heck, even if you're buying like a one of those little little drones, you're doing it to have fun. You're not necessarily doing it to, you know, for a job or anything. For most people, I, I think. The consumer part of the tech industry is is very much about entertainment, and games are a very central part of that. And the developments in games and uh, software and the companies doing that that are often involved in other parts of the industry too. So it all kind of comes goes around, comes around, if you know what I mean. I do. One of the things that I talked about last week was, uh, and it wasn't necessarily a throwaway, but it was towards the end of the show, Um Apple, the the rumor going around and reported as true uh, by Beats, for instance, that Apple is going to buy Beats Media. And it still hasn't been confirmed by Apple. It hasn't happened yet. Um, I Obviously, I don't know if it is going to happen or not. It, it seems like there's a lot of, oh, noise about it for it not to be true. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting to see the response. I mean, I, look, it caught... I think when I'm sure you like like me when you first read it you thought oh that's just a stupid rumor there's no way that could be true um, it sounded like one of those kind of crazy things that somebody concocted or put out on the internet as a as a scam or a hoax um, there's been so much about it now and rel- you know nobody's managed through digging to to find anything to counter it suggests that perhaps there is something in it um what i find interesting about it is that yeah it did catch everybody off guard and the the level of analysis and people trying to figure it out to me what makes it more true than anything else is nobody can understand why (laughs) (laughs) and the fact that nobody can really i mean there there are lots of theories but nobody's really sure and, and i've not seen anything that that truly gives a completely coherent argument as to why and to me that suggests it's a left field move and i think apple is very much about left field moves and if nobody else can understand it then that probably means it is true and apple has a plan i have read a few different analysis online um a lot of them to be honest is pretty critical about this move Uh, a lot of people don't seem to understand why apple would want beats media and then of course i've seen the some articles popping up saying hey this is racist people are just mad because dr dre is going to become a billionaire that's what it's about people are mad about that that kind of came out of left field for me i thought 
race? <laughs> really? That had nothing to do. The reason I don't yeah. understand it is it has nothing to do with someone's skin color. It's I don't get what Beats Media brings to the table for Apple. Now, I have read well, some well, that my, says yeah. the Apple isn't strong in minority communities, and Beats is very strong in minority communities. Yeah. Um, but is that worth over $3 billion? I don't know. I think if you look at where Beats has come from, I mean, they are, whatever, whatever, whatever the demographic they appeal to, and I'm not, I'm, I see plenty of non-minority people wearing Beats sure. headphones, just the same. I, I, I was, was, I started thinking about this when I was, um, the last time I came back from Hong Kong, I was traveling back with a colleague and he spent a lot of time in the electronic shops in the airport trying to get a, pe- a pair of uh, Beats headphones for his daughter. Now, he's not from a minority community, and neither is his daughter, obviously. So I uh, I think that Beats has I – th- I think that to pigeonhole them that as a, as a something that appeals to hip the hip-hop culture is is perhaps a racial stereotype. I think they have a much wider – I think they have a much wider appeal than that. And I think actually one of the things that does make me think that perhaps Apple might be interested in this is they have – achieve something kind of similar to what Apple did with the iPod, which is they've grown out of nowhere. I mean, 10 years ago, the big names in headphones were all either big consumer electronics companies like Sony, or they were specialist um, hi-fi background companies like Bose, Sennheiser, those sorts of things, or or Japanese companies who traditionally had been associated with with, uh, headphones like JVC. Um, and and that there are plenty of other companies like Etymotics and uh, Ultimate Ears and people like that who have established a small foothold in the um, headphone industry by selling high-quality premium stuff, which, which is very good to listen to and that sort of thing. But what Beats have done is they've come out of nowhere. They've come out of a partnership with Monster, who, let's face it, Monster themselves didn't have a particularly great reputation. Nope. And they've turned that into something that is a, a juggernaut in the headphone industry. They are one of the big players in the headphone industry. And it's not on quality, because a lot of people say, well, you know, Beats headphones aren't necessarily the absolute best, but they are premium priced. And to me, to see something with great brand recognition, I mean, you go and, go and interrupt the man on the street and say, can you name me three headphone manufacturers? They probably will only be able to name you two, which is Apple and Beats. Mm, and I would say Bose be able and Beats. I don't even think they would say they, Apple, because Apple headphones are just, those well, are the free yeah, cheapy ones that come with the an iPod but, but, or, you but know. But everybody recognizes, they, they are, Apple headphones have that recognition factor because of the fact the white and the, and the ads with the, with the white headphones and that sort of thing. But what I'm saying is they have achieved a level of cultural, um, in brand integration that I think very few other companies have done. And that's very Apple-esque. Yeah, it is. Um, and they're also, at the price they charge for a, a set of Beats headphones, there are, they're also obviously a high margin company yeah, you know I mentioned that last company. week yeah yeah so we I, know, I think we know Apple loves good margins <laughs> yeah so so I suspect I suspect actually look when you look into like that you, you think well actually they're kind of a similar company to Apple then they're working in a similar space and then you throw in the side things the fact that Dr. Dre is big in minority communities so they have some brand appeal there the fact that Jimmy Yavine is a big mover and shaker in the music industry um the fact that that they sell not just movies either in media 
No, well, yeah, basically in in the whole of the media industry, yep. absolutely. Uh, then the the fact that with some Apple engineering talent put into the headphones, you'd probably be able to radically improve the sound without necessarily upping the cost. Then you start to think, and the, the, the streaming service and that, then you start to think, well, maybe actually this isn't such a bad idea after all. Mm-hmm. You know, The more so, I thought so, about it, the more it made sense. The only thing that bothers me is how crappy they sound. That's that's the one thing that I, really bothered me, that these headphones... And I look, I, I'm an audio snob, so I'm not the, the perfect person to yeah. say what the mass consumers are out there are going to buy and enjoy, but they sound bad. I mean, I can't say it any more plainly than that. The they thing sound is, bad for the, the price. Is, I, yeah, I've spent a lot of, lot of time over the last week or so trolling around because I, I didn't really I, I knew about Beats so I didn't really understand whether they're any good or not really so I started looking at online reviews and everything um, and there's a kind of a mixed picture really there are people like yourself who say they sound terrible then there are other people who say they, they sound bad for the price you pay so they're not good value but then there's there's a fairly big percentage of people who seem to say you know what they're okay and some people absolutely love them i think the problem is is with headphones is that they're a very personal thing and when you look at the vast majority of music listeners for the last 20 years have been listening to their music with either crappy walkman headphones or uh, cheap five dollar headphones or crappy apple headphones I think you don't need to be much better than that to actually blow people away with the sound. That's so true. maybe maybe the quality is just is just fairly re- irrelevant. Yeah, you you do them side by side with a a much better pair of headphones, they are going to sound less less good. But I don't think most people do those sorts of comparisons. Which is unfortunate because you know it's Apple, and the people who generally follow Apple and buys their product buys them not because of this Apple logo or the marketing or the branding, but because it's a better product than the competition. And here's Apple buying a product that's subpar to its competition. I mean, I've got a pair of AKGs on right now that sounds so much better than anything Beats does. But it might be subpar now. Right. But you can't, you, you have to imagine that Apple would want to bring the quality up to the same level as their other products as part of this deal. Yeah, but you don't buy a company based on what it could be in the future you buy a company on what it's worth right to now. me yeah but up to me i think the real value that comes out of that 3.2 billion is the fact that they uh, they are a brand that people recognize I, that's and what it I is think, right there i think i think you you shore up your music business let's, let's face it apple has to protect its music business it's still a huge part of their business it but is digital but have, sales have gone way down yeah and they have to defend it because any day now for all they know, something could come along and take it away. Yep. So they have to defend it. So bringing their strong brand together with another strong brand and saying, now we, now we're, we basically, I don't think Beats will, as a brand will disappear. I think it will be Apple with Beats and Beats with Apple. Um, I agree. I think that, that that's the way they'll do it. And I, so, so you bring two strong brands together and they basically feed off each other. And, and I think, I suspect that maybe Apple's initial approach was to to do some sort of cross licensing deal but beats have been down that before with monster and when it finished it didn't end well so maybe beats were a bit shy of doing that so maybe apple said well okay so if you don't want to do a licensing deal let's just buy you straight out no apple doesn't do do licensing deals i think apple right from the beginning was looking at a purchase and i also think that there's a lot of negativity surrounding apple of hoarding all the cash that they have and let's be honest apple has 
so much money in the bank at this point that it's kind of ridiculous. You got to do something with it. It can't just sit there forever. Mm. And they had to make some kind of a move here. Now, up to this point, $400 million was as much money as they've ever spent for anything. But it's not the 90s anymore, you know. And next was, you know, at $400 million at the time was probably a little bit more than it was actually worth. Beats, on the other hand, just from a sales perspective, is worth more than Next was ever worth. Yeah. I mean, they have an actual consumer product. Next never did. You know, they were a very niche pl- pr- uh, platform that, quite honestly, nobody used at the time, even if they had better technology. So I, I think it. I think they're very aligned when it comes to consumer-facing. Apple likes big names behind the company. Steve Jobs, Steve Wozniak. I mean, Steve Jobs was a rock star himself. You know, how many pictures yeah. did you see with him and Bono? So they've got a rich history when it comes to the music industry. And here with Beats, they get two people. They get arguably, arguably the, the biggest hip-hop guy that's out there, Dr. Dre. And I don't particularly care for his music anymore. I don't even know if Dr. Dre does music anymore. But, I mean, I remember The Chronic when it came out way, way back in the day. I love that album. That's how Snoop Dogg got his start. Um, I think that that's it. Isn't Dr. Dre now behind an awful lot of other big established hip hop acts? Oh yes, yes, yeah. So, so it's 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 not necessarily about his. I I don't think anybody, any no, but, individual artist, not even the Beatles, will be worth three point two billion. But um, mm, I think I think I think if you've got people who have a stable, well, of, he's got he's got. What I was getting at though was he's got that history in the music industry that's oh, yeah. respected and he brings a lot to the table for a company like apple that they are almost a label themselves at this point yeah and i think their streaming service uh, itunes radio has not been well received i liked it in beta when i was using it before it officially launched it was pretty good every time i listen to it now it the selection isn't very good um well and it feels sterile yeah i think what says that maybe apple isn't happy with itunes radio is that here in the uk i can't use it because it still hasn't been rolled out here Mm -hmm. so to me that suggests that they are not uh particularly happy with the way it's going yep they've not extended it out as well elsewhere so uh, there's a lot of things here a lot of synergy between these two companies that i think is going to work really well to apple's advantage and at this point it's kind of a wait and see let's let's see if they actually make this acquisition Let's see if they do the smart thing, which is basically buy it, make it better, but you know, don't try to fix something that's not broken, and uh, see what happens. I mean, mm. I, I'm I'm very curious, and honestly, this is the first type of news when it came to when it comes to Apple that's not product related, that's interesting to talk about and and to read about, you know. What I what I find is that interesting about the commentary on it and the uh, is that uh, people have been champing it a bit for eighteen months, two years. That Apple needs to be more innovative. Apple needs to be more bold. Apple needs to acquire this. Apple needs to acquire that. As soon as it looks like they're doing this, you immediately see a slew of articles saying why Apple is stupid to do this. <laughs> it's like make up your mind, guys. Yeah, I'm used to it. it's the internet. 
Yeah. I mean, that's kind of comes with the territory at this point. Yeah. You sent me an article that was up on Ars Technica. I did. To change topics. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't you go ahead and explain this? Because I'll, I'll be honest with you, it really pisses me off. <laughs> Look, I'm a publisher. I have a website. We do product yeah. reviews. That's pretty much what my Mac is at this point. MyMac.com does product reviews. That's yeah. That's what that we don't do opinion articles. We don't do news. We don't do rumors. We do reviews. We have a new review, if not every day, every other day, and then multiple reviews a day when we do post them, it seems. I mean, we've had new four new reviews this week alone and another one in the yeah. queue for tomorrow. So I understand product reviews. I actually take the product reviews, some of them, not all of them, but some of them from our website, and I repost them on Amazon. Um, that's actually against Amazon's review policy. Except I was go- no 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 I was godfathered <laughs> in. They asked yeah. me to do that a long time ago, yeah. so I and I still do it. And it, it, look, it helps Amazon, and it helps yeah. the people, the companies that are selling products. If it's a positive review, and they're not always, but um, I understand what goes into writing a review and supporting writers and reviewers. Yeah, and let's face it, you can. I mean, any of us who spend any time reading stuff on the internet can normally stop a tro- uh, spot a trolling review in an, sure. in an Amazon page. You'll always get. I mean, everybody learns fairly quickly that the absolute most glowing reviews on a on an Amazon product you need to take with perhaps a pinch of salt in case they were somehow paid for or incentivized. Uh, and again, the one star reviews will most often be from people who probably never bought the thing but just for some reason or another have a beef against that particular product or manufacturer EA so comes I think- to mind remember when spore was the big news and everyone yeah. for a while was giving spore a one star review for I, I don't even remember what it was about now no but they were, they, a lot of them were reviewing it it was i mean you will it wasn't see even this, out yet yeah you'll see reviews on for a thing that's not even out yet so we all accept that the internet is full of people with um wildly uh, divergent views on the right way to behave, particularly in print. However, that being said, this story, I, I mean, this I've heard of this before, but this kind of blew me away. It really, really did, which is why I forwarded it to you. Uh, so so um, this guy buys a router, a router, as you would call yep, it, a router. Um, off Amazon, yeah, um, from a company called Media Bridge Products. Uh, it's a wireless network router. So he posted a negative review of it um, that got promoted up. Amazon does this ranking thing of reviews. So the more people who read and approve a review, then it will rise to the top. And this this rose to the top of most helpful for this particular product. So you go to this product uh, and you look at the reviews and the most helpful review was this fairly negative, well, a pretty negative review um, by this user who said that the thing was uh, was rubbish that it, um, you know, that it was overpriced. That he'd he'd found um, an identical product, uh, and he'd even gone as far as checking the FCC IDs, so he knew it was an identical product from some cheap Chinese clone manufacturer um, that was that was a tiny fraction of the price of what they were charging. So clearly, it was just a you know a cheap Chinese box shift product that they'd snapped their badge on and pushed out the door with uh, bad instruction and everything. And you know, basically said. One star review, the thing is crap, don't buy it. Yep. Um, he received a, a letter 
from their legal representation, threatening to sue him unless he deletes that negative review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sent a letter explaining that the company, their lawyer said, zealously guards its hard-earned reputation and that you have harmed MediaBridge and we intend to hold you liable for all damages sustained. So in a, a fabulous example of what's known on the internet as the Streisand effect... Yeah. The Streisand effect, for anybody who doesn't know, is when uh, Barbara Streisand had a beef about somebody doing something to her house. She went and took legal action and that got it publicity. And now everybody knows that Barbara Streisand's a bit of an idiot. And, it, and it, the, the idea is, is that by taking heavy handed action, you bring far more attention to the problem than if you would just let it slide by. Yep. Um, and this is exactly what happened here because this guy posted this letter to Reddit. <laughs> And, uh, the said, letter from the lawyer. He the lawyer. He, yes. he posted it to Reddit, and he said, "What do you guys think of this?" Um, and also, he was looking for help with legal fees because obviously he was he was concerned that he might get sued. And obviously, this is the difficulty with a legal threat. Everyone can say, "Oh, well, you know, if you've got if you're in the right, you can go to court and you'll have your day in court and you'll prove it." The problem is, going to court costs money. And if you've just bought a cheap wireless router, you necessarily don't have the $150,000, $200,000 it takes to mount a defense. Um, and so uh, you know, a lot of companies do this. They threaten you to sue to get them to you, get you to do what they want because it's cheaper for you to just do what they want rather than stand up for your rights. Um, this guy found another way. So um, this then blew up into a big thing. He, the guy said he'd been relentlessly bullied by the company. He didn't think it was fair um and um you know he said that said that everything he said he said he had not he had not maliciously written the review that everything he said he stood by he didn't think he'd um he didn't think he'd um over over exaggerated anything he thought it'd been fair and in in what he'd said um and yeah they, they basically said if you don't uh, in order to avoid this coming to litigation he must delete his negative product review within three days of receiving the letter and um, agree to never purchase or comment upon a media media bridge product again. So since that happened, there's actually been an update to the story. They post an official statement to to their Facebook page. This is Media Bridge Products, clarifying its position, saying that Amazon has revoked its selling privileges, and they've now taken all that stuff away. But it was seen, and they said they didn't actually sue the reviewer, but they insist that his uh, his things needed to be taken down. It's our sincere belief that reasonable people understand not only is it within our rights to take steps to protect our integrity, but that it should be expected that we would do so when it is reckless, when we are recklessly attacked. The reviewer has since changed his review completely to remove the libelous statements, but unfortunately not before having an army attackers on the internet. Yeah, well, suck it up. Read what you say. <laughs> That's what I say. I agree. I am was, I'm blown away yeah. by it. Um, I will never, ever buy a product that they sell. No, never. No, absolutely not. And, uh, you know, we do product reviews. Now, most of the products that we review is sent to us by the company. So we're in contact with the company. And to be honest, if I get a product and it's just terrible and I write a terrible, um, well, I don't want to say a terrible review. <laughs> if I write a negative review, let me put it that way. Uh, I, I never worry about legal action from the company. No, it, it's basically, I, I think a fairly good rule of thumb is don't threaten to sue your customers, yeah. whatever they think of you. I think that's a pretty good rule to live by. 
<laughs> you know, they this man has paid money for your product. He doesn't like it. He may be right in his dislike of it. He may be wrong or completely unfair. But the point is, is you have money in the bank from him. That yeah. means really you should come – what comes with the ter- territory is not suing him. Well, Unless more than he- that, if you're going to sell your product on Amazon, you chose to do that. You also know that people who buy the product there can review the product right there on Amazon. You take that – risk if you're going to sell there and they knew what kind of product it was and they didn't like it yeah too bad then don't sell junk products and also as well when you're a no-name little-known company don't start throwing the legal threats around like you're um one of the biggest most respected companies in the world don't pretend you're ibm Yep. Or or uh, or three com or Cisco or Apple or Sony or whoever it is, who you know really well. Let's face it. Most most of the times those cus- those co- companies are big enough to recognise that that sort of customer engagement is just completely negative. And and as you you said, you responded. Said, Haven't they heard of the internet? Did they <laughs> honestly think that yeah. by threatening the guy with legal action that this would just to get a tiny to get a, a review taken away that this would um, make things better for them. Well, here's the the flip side of that, David. Is maybe they've done this a hundred times and we didn't hear from the other ninety nine percent because they got that and went, oh crap, and they just went and deleted the review off Amazon to be done with it. Yeah, but if you're going to pay three four hundred dollars an hour to retain a lawyer, and you're going to spend that money buy it because every time he writes to letter that's two three hours of his time so you're going to put that money down for a, i don't know how much this thing was um but you're going to put that money down every time you get a negative review for uh you know what's probably a less than hundred dollar product yep yeah what wouldn't you be far better spending that time first of all dealing with those customers i don't know maybe throw them if not full refund a gesture of goodwill contact them directly and said we're so sorry you didn't like it um, we don't agree with everything you said, but you know what? We recognize you are not a happy customer. What can we do to make this right for you? That would have been that's, a smart play. That's what that's a good smart cost company do. will do. Yep. And then and then spend the rest of the money you saved on the lawyers to maybe go out and source a better product or to uh, deal with the problems in the product you have to actually make it better. Yeah. And and to make sure you don't get these sort of things before. Customer feedback is customer feedback, good and bad. Yeah, you got to learn from it. And uh, this company did the wrong thing. It, I even think what they posted on Facebook was stupid. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's well, we didn't actually sue them, but we do. Blah, blah. They should have said, you know what, this was a, a mistake on our part, and we learned. They should have owned up to the mistake, and they didn't. They still maintain that they did the right thing. And that's why I'll never buy a product from this company. Yeah. Uh, and. Whatever the rights and wrongs of, of what the guy said, I've read, I've read some of the allegations about what he said, and it seems to me that he he wasn't just kind of ranting. You know, when he said it, it looked like a knockoff Chinese product. He actually had evidence of that. Yep. The problems he had were, you know, so to start going on saying he's libelous and, and you know, I'm I'm very conscious that the libel laws here in the UK are much tighter than they are in the states. Yep. You know, and people can get really really hung up on them. Um, so I, I'm a, I'm well familiar with what is and is libelous. Um, but the, the point about libel, 
And you can only defame somebody if what you say is not true. Yep. What he said about their product was true. And that would have come out in court. But the thing is, they were just hoping that he would roll over and go away because he didn't have the defense fund. Yep. And, and once, that, they, once that he did bullying. it and it blew up, yeah. they still had an opportunity to do the right thing and they didn't. So sometimes you reap what you sow, right? Yeah, absolutely. We've got, uh, like I said, you know, last last week we talked about, I talked about video games. Um, best video games of all time. And the first one I mentioned was uh, GTA Online 5. GTA 5 Online, I should say, that Neil Wharton picked. He sent a very detailed, long letter, David. Uh, yeah. We'll have you read that here in a minute. But first, let's take our, our uh, commercial break. Here I add for another episode of a podcast here in the Stoplight Network. I hope you guys check out this show. And I, I don't know what ad I'm going to drop in yet. So <laughs> whatever show it is, you'll like it. Check it out. Hi, I'm Ryan Van Leer. And I'm Matt York. We're from the Four Pigs the Bell Tools podcast. What is Four Pigs the Bell Tools, you might ask? We're a group of gamers who, simply put, have a passion for gaming. What sets us apart is our unbiased coverage of all the major platforms. That is Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Wii U, 3DS, and PlayStation Vita. Sometimes even PC or mobile games, too. We also love to reminisce about older games and systems from yesteryear. Four Pigs the Bell Tolls provides short but sweet reviews, the hottest gaming news, and in-depth gaming discussions. So if you love video games or would just like a fresh perspective of the industry, be sure to give us a listen and check out our YouTube page. We're part of the Stoplight Network of Podcasts. Back here, tech fan number 163, I'm Tim Robertson. He's David Cohen. We love feedback, and we've got some feedback to read this week. Um, The second story we're going to talk about after the GTA here and Neil Wharton is a story that David actually sent me, and then we got some feedback from a new listener on the podcast about the Xbox One and the Kinect. So we're going to talk about that second. First, David, we're going to talk about GTA 5 online and... uh, and Neil Wharton, I will say this after, oh, excuse me, after the last episode, David, I actually played GTA five online. Hmm. I thought maybe I was too critical or, you know, I, I'm really good at the single player GTA. I, I could control the character really well. I can shoot real well. I'm pretty accurate. And so I'm going to give the online play some time, you know, hmm. I played it for about a half hour and I died like 10,000 times and I gave up. I, I, I play this one game where you start in a parking lot and everyone has bats. And uh, it was a 20-minute time limit. And mm-hmm. and you're trying to, you know, kill the other guys. And yeah. the highest score wins. Well, I'm running around. I get killed like three times, and I kill a guy. Actually, I killed a guy, and he killed me at the same time. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then these guns popped up in the map. But to get to them, you had to jump over these... Um, Oh, I don't know, big containers like on the back of a semi. Yeah. You had to jump up, up on top of that, jump down into this parking lot, and then you can get a gun instead of a bat. So I started making my way over there, but someone got there first. And my spawn point was the farthest you can get away from the guns. Right. I couldn't never I couldn't go more than twenty feet before I was mowed down again. I literally I would respawn, die. Respawn, die. I finally just quit. I said, you know what, this isn't fun at all. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? That is the point about any game experience is it's got to be fun. I I think this is a real issue with uh, online gaming is that the relatively quickly, a, a certain hardcore element who really get a kick out of playing online 
um, when the new title comes out, they go and they they you know they spend those first couple of days playing twenty four seven, leveling up, the, knowing yeah, all exactly. the maps, and and then and then they have a huge advantage over a casual player, and it is a high barrier entry. It is. Uh, this one the re- look you said last week that you don't play online that you just prefer the single player i'm exactly the same and for pretty much the same reason i'm a much more casual gamer than these guys you know i don't criticize them for doing it they're just having fun but i shouldn't have to play against someone that has that much experience and and i think i think that's where the problem is in in the way these games are designed is there is no way for um, and I, trust me, I, I, it's a hard problem to solve. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to say that people are deliberately avoiding dealing with this because it is. It, it but seems we're not game developers either. That's not our no. job. We haven't spent hours yeah. and hours and, and months and months trying to figure out a way to balance gameplay online. No, but the point is, is exactly that: is that if you have never played online before, then you're going to get your backside kicked. Um, and, and repeatedly the, right and, and with yeah. gta you can leave like if someone's not being sporting you can like knock them down where it's some kind of a ranking system where it's um it's not necessarily negative feedback but they can mark you as unsportsmanship mm-hmm. so if i'm playing a game where i'm continuously getting mowed down do i just leave the game and does that make the guy who's racking up so many points or whatever angry so he makes it so it sounds like i'm not a good game player i wasn't well, being sporting or is it just like dude yeah. I, I couldn't do anything let's face it let's face it yeah the guy who was shooting you in that particular game he's got no way of telling whether you're a good gamer or not either there was like the, six the, of the us playing in this game four of them left yeah. within two minutes because this one guy yeah. was so much better i tried to stick it out to play this guy but he never even gave me a chance it's like is this fun for you sitting here just I you kill me I come back and as soon as I come back in the same freaking spot you would think the game would at least give me a sporting chance you just sit there and pick me off again I think I, I yeah I think the real acid test would be if the game was like that in single player so you spawned into a level and you immediately died over right. and over and over again and there was no obvious strategy for you to actually overcome that then people would say, well, that sucks. And who the hell developed a game that makes it like that? Yeah, it would get negative so, reviews like you wouldn't believe exactly. and Rockstar so would it, be selling every, suing everyone. <laughs> so, so if it's unacceptable for the single player, why should it be acceptable in the online multiplayer? Yeah. It, to me, to me, it's not. And to me, that's, that, that's something that does need to be addressed. But that's a much wider issue here. Now, but, is and, this something that's... Uh, is this the way GTA is online? I don't know. And my one experience, I don't want it to dissuade anybody else from trying it because maybe it was just one of those rare circumstances, but it did happen. And I've, I've had things like this happen with other multiplayer games over the years. I can go all the way back to marathon and the same thing was happening where it's months after the game was released. I finally buy it. I want to play it, but everybody that's already there bought it on day one are so much better at it than I am that I, I'll have zero chance of ever getting good at it because I never yeah. have a chance. I, I get on and boom, I'm dead. And you know what? It's not necessary. I used to play Unreal Tournament against my wife. This is back in the happy days before we had children and we had much more free time on our hands. <laughs> so we had two computers in the house, and so I'd say, well, let's play online. So let's play each other. So we played locally against each other, Unreal Tournament. 
the great thing about Unreal Tournament is it had bots in it as well, so it wasn't just the two of us. Yeah. But the thing is, is that I'd played that sort of game much more than she had. So I had a huge advantage over her. I did not, because I was in the same house with her, and this was a, a woman who I <laughs> like, respect, and love. <laughs> yeah. Who I did not just insist on uh, every time I see her, blow her to bits. Because you know what? she It would get old for her real fast, and she wouldn't play anymore. Right. So I used to have a lot of fun. I'd chase around the levels. I'd kind of pepper her with rocket blasts but never actually hit her so she'd never know where they were coming from but the thing is that made it fun for her she would always say you know she would know she was under attack but she wasn't getting killed right yeah and you know what when i when i played like that and then the times that she got me it made her feel a lot better Mm -hmm. and i was still having fun so it doesn't always have to be about you know i am the monster right i am the great guy i am the guy who's gonna blow you up and then do horrible things to your corpse in the game I mean that that can be fun, but <laughs> it's, fun, I, it's fun for five. It's fun for five minutes. But if that if you spend your whole online life doing nothing but that, right. then I'm sorry, you're a bit of an idiot. You, you're a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, we had there was this game that came out in early 2000s called Rune R U N E, and it was this Viking fighting game. And we used to play it when I worked at a company called Seven Worldwide. They don't exist anymore, so. Uh, I was the IT manager, but oh, there was a whole bunch of the designers and production artists who were also into this game. So at lunchtime, we would spend an hour playing this game over the local LAN. And uh, we did it for like maybe two months. And it was so much fun. We were all at about the same skill level. Um, I remember a guy chopping my, my character's head off and holding it up. And I just had to sit there and watch. And he started playing soccer with it. You know? And it was funny because I could hear them laughing about it. And I'm like, oh, you're a jerk. You know, that was fun. That is only funny if you're in the same geographical space as the person you're doing it to. Or, or, and if you're not, you know there's an opportunity that I'm going to be able to get him back. Exactly. But if I'm trapped in a parking lot that's completely closed off and he just keeps sniping me over and over and over. And the guy who's sniping it is in a server on the other side of the world. So Mm -hmm. you're never going to be able to have a laugh about that then that's no fun anymore. Then it becomes yep. a little bit mean. And you know what? Look, I don't want to... I, I, I mean, if anyone's listening to this who's a who's a big online gamer and is, wants to rant off about, you know, flipping newbies and how you ruin the gameplay for everyone else, let us know. Yeah, send uh, an email. We're interested in hearing about that. But, but you know, this is this is the less experienced These are the 40-year-old white guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that that doesn't Look, have a chance against but you. That's exactly that, that's a very good analogy, right? If you or I went down to a basketball place, yeah, where there's guys who you know, big six foot five basketball guys who play all, all day every day, yeah, and they and they said let's have a game, and they just basically ran ring round, round us like we like they're the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be fun for them. Well, it might be fun for them for five minutes. It wouldn't be fun for us, and we won't do it anymore. It's exactly the same with a video game. Yep. And I think a lot of people keep forgetting the game part. Yeah. Now, the game is twofold, the way I'm using it, David. There's game as an entertainment, and there's game and ship. Yeah. And I don't know if game and ship in online games is very high for a lot of developers. Now, I know some developers have made strides that way, but for the most part, it seems like they still kind of encourage the jerk-offs to kill the guys like us over and over and over. 
and there's a reward system in place for that you know and and that's i think that's where a lot of the problems are they're rewarded to do that kind of stuff they rank up higher and i don't know nobody has balanced that in a way that's appealing to me yet here's here's a thing right there's a movie coming out this summer tom big new tom cruise vehicle called uh, i think it's called end of days no end um, of tomorrow something like anyway the the premise is like groundhog day in war right so the idea of the premise is that is that there's this alien invasion this guy who's not really a soldier gets called up and put into a battle and he dies within five minutes but when he dies he then wakes up on the same day again and and it's like Groundhog Day. Every time he goes through the battle, he learns a bit more, he gets a bit better, he gets a bit further, and then by the end of the movie, presumably, and I'm not seeing the end of the movie because I've only seen the trailers, by the end of the movie, he becomes the saviour of the human race, whatever. Sure, right. Right? And and I don't know how that happens or why that happens or whatever. I'll be interested to see it. I've seen the trailers. The trailers make it look an interesting movie. Not a great movie, but interesting. But the point is, that would be a mechanic for this sort of game, yeah. where if you die over and over again, the game adjusts things so that your experience, your leveling, your weapons, whatever, improve to reflect the fact that you have died multiple times. The single player that does that, that occasionally. Right. Single yeah. player does that because if you die in this one spot, I remember, uh, I'm forgetting the name of the game now. Oh, that's going to bother me. I could look over on a shelf, but then I have to get up and move, and I don't feel like it. Um, it's right there on the tip of my tongue, too. Anyways, I would spawn in the same spot, and then I'd get past, and then I would die. But you start learning, okay, three guys are going to come out of this door, yeah, and then there's a guy over there sniping me. So I'm going to launch a grenade where these three guys go this time. And then I'm just going to concentrate on the sniper. So you learn. It's the, you know, they repeat the pattern. Mm. So you could do that. Oh, what is the name of the game? Um, yeah, that's not that one. Keep talking. I'm, I'm looking the other way. Uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. I'm sure I've heard of this mechanic in other games. Gears well. of War. Gears of War. Okay. Yeah. Where it's, uh, you know... <sighs> You have to take cover. If you just run and blaze, yeah. you're going to die quickly. You got to take cover and pop shots and stuff like that. That was a game that, you know, the bad guys, every time you die, you'd respawn, would do the same basic thing. Mm-hmm. It was always three guys out of here. Now, they all might not die for cover the same way every time, but it was always three guys coming out of that door. So you would mm-hmm. start to learn as you're progressing through the game. It wasn't such a bad thing if you died because you learned something when you died. Why yeah. did I die? Oh, because this thing here comes yeah. through the oh, door at this point. You learned something too in that GTA game. You learn not to play it anymore. Well, I'll give it a try again, and <laughs> okay. and we'll get to uh, Neil's letter. And Let's, after, and it, I'll be honest with you, it was his letter that made me go and want to give it a try again. And yeah, and um, I didn't um, have um, the experience the first time I tried it, dude, of just dying over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, but it just it. Everybody seemed to be so much better than me. I, I look. There are. There are mechanisms. There are different ways to play these games. Some of them have different modes, like capture the flag and other things where it's just just not you and 20 other guys who are better than you in a room and you're just trying to kill each other. Um, I'm sure there are other modes that might be more suitable. But the point is, again, these games don't kind of take you through that. You play the single-player game and you get a training level and you get help and you might have a non-player character who helps you through certain things and tells you what you have to do and in the online game world you don't 
get any of that. You just get dumped in it. And well, they did go, try right? to do that in GTA Five Online. The first time I played it, your character, you build your character first, what he looks like, and all that, and then you arrive in uh, Liberty City, and is it Liberty City? No, it's uh, San Andreas, and he basically he's a he's a character from the regular game, mm-hmm. and he takes you to your place, and you know, kind of gets you going, but it was. It was too long and too brief at the same time, if that makes sense. It was too long of just sitting there and not doing anything while this character talks. And then by the time you could do something, you're not quite sure what you're supposed to go do. Or if you do the one thing that he says, what do I do now? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wasn't impressed. But yeah. go ahead and read, and this is long, but uh, yeah. go ahead and read uh, Neo's email, and then we'll talk okay. about it. Hi, Tim. I responded to your Facebook question about the best game ever so far with GTA 5 Online, so I thought I would tell you why after listening to the TechFan podcast about the same subject. My gaming history is about the same age as yours, as we are about the same age. My first system was a grandstand system, which had the basic tennis, football, etc., which were derived from the original Pong in that they were bat and ball games with the paddle controllers. I'm just going to interject here. I, yep. I know Neil online. I know he's, he's English, so <laughs> you're going to hear some some stuff that's maybe a bit more grandstand was kind of a big early electronic company here i figured i, I didn't yeah. know the game system but i figured it was probably yeah. a, a uk thing yeah my first computer was an atari 400 which then gave me access to arcade quality games at the time like pac-man space invaders centipede pretty much the entire atari catalog i upgraded from this machine to an atari 800 xl and then an atari 130xe with floppy drives this brought along a whole new set of games with more in-depth storylines and better graphics. My all-time favourites at this time were Rescue on Fractalus, made by Lucasfilm Games. I never played that, but I do remember there was a buzz around it. And a German multi-way two-player scroller called Schreckenstein. At the time, games on the 8-bit were perfect for multiplayer. Some were arcade action, others were strategy games like MULE, and I would play for hours using my Competition Pro joystick 8-way with one fire button. <laughs> Boy, those were the days, yeah. Yeah, right. Then came the console console revolution. I didn't join in at the time. I liked and appreciated the up-and-coming PC titles like Doom, Junior Nukem, etc., and you couldn't fail to give them a try, especially in a networked office environment. But all that mouse and keyboard control just didn't suit me coming from the old Atari-style joystick gaming. Even when the PlayStation hit the market, I still struggled with the controls, so got bored easily with most of the offerings. Though my girlfriend, now wife, did have a PlayStation 1 and 2 with titles like Silent Hill, a great cinematic experience. So moving along, my interest kicked back when I got a PlayStation 3 with Gran Turismo 5 from my wife for Christmas. Are you still there or did we lose you? I learned how to control the thing using my left thumb, which was before was only used for the fire button, and my right thumb now being used for view, etc., which was previously used with the rest of the fingers to jam a full-size joystick in any of the eight directions. After also going from eight-way switches to full analog control was quite a shock, so I was now dabbling in racing games every now and again, and the odd fully immersive game like Heavy Rain, but again I would play them for a while but soon lose interest. So to the present day, I decided on launch week to get GTA V, I had previously seen and played all the previous GTA titles, but this one looked beautiful and promised a full open-world experience. It didn't fail to deliver. Though again I found I lost interest with the missions etc. when playing in single-player mode. Months later they launched the online version and I gave it a try. This was what I'd been waiting for. There was a levelling-up system which rewarded you in game money and goodies, and the unpredictability of having real other players in the game with you added to the excitement of playing along with sometimes being outplayed by many players 
I did find I had time and space to get used to the online version because of all the space on the map and the vehicles helicopters available i didn't have to put up with being cannon fodder all the time i could walk away from battles which i was obviously never going to win but i would have a try first so although i'm no expert i have a few millions in the bank i'm at level 80 something an apartment with a six car garage stuffed with some nice cars and await the update coming this tuesday to give us the ability to own multiple apartments some nice new cars and the promise in forthcoming weeks for heists to be available in the online version I'm a member of a tiny crew made of work colleagues and friends, which adds extra fun when we get together and do some missions. Nothing serious usually ends in disaster, but lots of fun. Anyway, because of all this, it is the game I keep coming back to, hence my decision of it being the best game ever so far for me. Personally, I would love to get a PS4, but if they don't bring out GTA 5 on it or something that could take its place, then I probably won't bother for now, as I would still favour the PS3 because of the titles available. I do hear that Watch Dogs for the PS4 is meant to be one to look at in a few weeks. Great podcast. Hope to speak to you soon. Neil Wharton. Thank you very wow, much, That was really Neil. interesting. It was. And uh, again, we encourage anybody listening to write in their stories. And we will, obviously not just about video games, technology in general as well. And we will read them right here on the Tech Fan Podcast. And Neil's been listening since we started the podcast, David. Yeah. And, cool. Uh, yeah. That was a great letter. It was maybe we lost um, you a couple times there because of Skype issues, but we got it. Maybe uh, Neil will let you run with this crew for a while and <laughs> pick up the online ropes. The problem is uh, being in the UK when they're playing is the middle of the day for me, and then uh, when I actually have a chance to play, it's the middle of the night for you guys. So that probably wouldn't work too well. Although he did send me a friend request on the uh, PS3, I just haven't been on the PS3 since he did that. So as soon as I get on there. I will accept his friend request. By the way, anybody listening, if you want to be friends with me on either the Xbox or the PlayStation, I am Rude Crown. Uh, try one or two words. I'm not sure how it is. I think it's two words. And I didn't pick it. it. It picked it for me on the original Xbox 360 when I first got it. Mm-hmm. And then when I signed up for the PlayStation Network, I just thought, well, I'll just use Rude Crown again since I'm already using that on the Xbox 360 or Xbox Live, I should say. Uh, I don't have a PS4 or an Xbox One yet, um, although I want one, David, and I want a PS4 more. Um, yeah, I Watch you know Dogs what? looks very interesting. Looks very, very interesting. Yeah, and more I, than I, that, there's uh, Infamous Second Son, which is already out. And the Infamous, mm-hmm. there was two games for Infamous plus a a downloaded vampire Halloween one that was real short, but it was like five bucks, so I bought that one too. And the Infamous series is fantastic. I mean, that's the one where you have all the powers, yeah. Well, you start leveling up as you go through. There is no online component, but that's or is there? I don't remember now. But is I, it is it a bit like Crackdown? It is a bit like Crackdown, but it's much better. It's much yeah. much better. Crackdown. When Crackdown first came out, it was really good. I love the first one, and then it just kind of get got silly, and they didn't really innovate anymore, and it was just kind of boring. Yeah, I, I played the first one. I really enjoyed it. I played the second one as well, actually. Um, and uh, I remember when it first came out, I thought, well, this is just more of the same. Well, there's no innovation here. But actually, because of the, when I played the second one, I'd had quite a big gap. Uh, I still quite enjoyed the second one, though. It did leave me, like, like the first one, by the time you got to the end of it, you felt a little bit unsatisfied because yep. it didn't really go anywhere. Um, but but I saw the I saw the trailers uh, in a movie theater for Infamous Second Son uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I thought that it immediately made me start thinking of like a kind of really jazzed up Crackdown. It is, and it, but it's better. Um, yeah. The mechanics are better. The the controls for your character is much tighter. 
mm-hmm. and I really got more of a I'm way above this city in that in those games than I've really ever got in any other games. And well, I don't know, Crackdown, yeah. you'd get up to the top and Crackdown. You really did get that sense that you were way up there. <laughs> well, you did, but the thing is, is when you were up there, there wasn't a lot of space, right? Because you were normally on top of a building, and it was. And with that, um, we just lost our power, so that means we lost David Cohen on Skype. All of our power in our house just went out. We've been having storms here. The only reason I'm still able to talk is because I'm on my laptop, which is now running on battery. <laughs> um, you're going to hear some beeping sounds really soon here because uh, I've got battery backup on uh, a couple things and they're going to start. Oh, see, there's some beeping right there. You ever listen to podcasts where they completely lose power? Well, just did right there. Uh, new listener, Joe in Massachusetts. Um, honestly, I'm going to keep your email for next week and uh we'll talk more about the xbox and microsoft uh well it's X- the xbox one getting rid of the connect dropping the price by 100 bucks um it's a story that i want to spend a little bit more time in and i honestly i could do it right now but this beeping is going to get really annoying soon because it's a soft beep right now and it's only going to get louder so i'm going to uh save that when i have power that's weird i've never lost power in a podcast before crazy so with that i'm going to wrap up this episode of uh tech fan i feel a little flustered uh thank you very much for listening to this episode i apologize for the ending it wasn't the ending of the show that i was planning on but you know i i don't control the power we've been having some storms around here but uh, it's not storming out right now, but boom, we just lost all power. And here's David texting me saying, hey, where are you? And David says, just getting a voicemail on Skype now. <laughs> so let me text him back. I'm going to say, uh, David, we just lost all power. So with that, sorry, David. And uh, again, I apologize to you guys for ending this podcast so abruptly but who knows how long it is before we get power back and uh david and i usually only have about an hour to do this show so i will uh oop, now he's getting the louder beeps <laughs> thanks for listening remember to send feedback to tim at techfanpodcast.com or go to techfanpodcast.com and leave a message there thanks have a great day